You're listening to CounterTalks, Canada's podcast for the equipment and event rental industry. CounterTalks is a presentation of Canadian Rental Service Magazine. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi, everybody. Pat Flannery here, coming to you again with CounterTalks, courtesy of uh, Canadian Rental Service Magazine. And uh, today I've got uh, David Swan with me. He is the Senior Vice President of Products for Track Unit which is a uh, software manufacturer for the construction industry. I'm going to let David describe what it is. I'm, uh, I'm probably saying it wrong. Uh, but uh, David, welcome to, uh, welcome to CounterTalks. Thanks for joining. No, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah. So uh, the, the, what sort of occasion this was uh, actually a, a, an interesting, well, well two things. Uh, Track Unit had recently announced uh, some ability to uh, measure emissions uh, from, uh, from construction equipment engines. And, uh, and, and, and that struck me as something that was very topical, uh, given, given what I think is going to be coming in terms of uh, regulations and, and what, what municipalities uh, and governments are going to want to see uh, in terms of reporting. Uh, I, that, that, that I we see that accelerating in different jurisdictions all over the world. Uh, but the other thing was David uh, sent around a very interesting white paper uh, discussing the, 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 the evolution, the change in attitude. Uh, and, and, and as we were saying offline, this, the rather sudden change in attitude uh, about interest in sustainability and, and, and interest in reducing emissions and interest in uh, making environment products that were more environmentally friendly, I guess, generally in the, in the construction industry. And, uh, and, and I wanted to dive into a little bit more of that because, uh, uh, you know, David being involved with, with tracking emissions regulations is obviously in a position to know some stuff about this and has no doubt talked to a lot of people. In fact, he's coming to us today from the AEM uh, uh, annual conference, uh, down in Fort Lauderdale, so uh, he's uh, he's definitely having those kinds of conversations. I d- I don't doubt. So, David, why don't you start us off by introducing your uh, yourself, your background, and and I guess tell us a bit about Track Unit. Okay, so uh, I've been working for Track Unit for about three years now, and for about five years before that, I was actually working for Skyjack Linamar, heading up the technology and innovation program there. What? So- I didn't know that. <laughs> Yes, yes. Okay. So he's a Guelph that, boy, uh, by the way, folks. He's a Guelph boy. So hundred okay, percent right. from Guelph. Yeah. Um, and the the way I uh, ended up in construction to begin with was actually that I was running uh, IoT business unit for a telecom out in Eastern Canada, right? And uh, this was right at the time um, when I moved to to Skyjack Linamar was when we saw a lot of compact machinery manufacturers trying to understand how they could contribute to connectivity and telematics and what would it actually mean for them with smaller, lower cost machines to implement uh, a digital product program where they could start really taking part and creating value for you know rental customers and, and contractors farther down uh, the value chain. So uh, that's ended me up here where I am now, uh, where uh, I'm uh, quite happy to be sort of at the center of things, uh, tracking it, dealing with rental companies, the OEMs and contractors trying to figure out how to get these solutions further integrated into the industry to to move the needle on all of these uh, big things that we want to do? Well, with a connection to with a connection to Skyjack, you'll know our industry well because uh, uh, they uh, obviously provide a whole lot of lifts to rental stores everywhere. So uh, that's they do uh, they do that's awesome and built built right there. Well, some of them built uh, they yep. they've gotten too big <laughs> they used to be all built in guelph but uh now yeah. it's all, uh, all the scissor lifts are i still think yeah actually. the scissors Most of the, all the electric scissor lifts are 
So. Yeah, yeah. I just toured their plant a little while ago. It was uh, it was it, it was great, and they're uh, they're they're really really surging these days. So it's nice to see. Um, tell me a bit about uh, tell me a bit about what you're doing on on emissions reporting, and uh, well, I guess now would this be uh, so you've added carbon dioxide emissions uh, uh, tracking, or uh, or is this still just uh, NOx? No, so we're what we're doing is we're doing live uh, CO two and fuel usage tracking for fleet for job site, uh, for different groups in uh, sort of geographies for our customers. And um, what we've done is we've spent about a year and a half developing a machine learn model. And some of the tricky things with calculating emissions based on live data is that different machines have a different sophistication in the way they're connected right so if we look at larger diesel machines uh with like tier four final engines we have really uh rich data coming off the can bus that tells us exactly how much fuel is used we know like how efficiently they're running and there's a pretty direct path to calculating uh co2 output for that but when you look at one like simpler machines like for example like a a lead acid powered scissor lift, right? Which you still have hundreds of thousands of those out of the con contributing to the CO2 picture. Like there's an equivalency there. Uh, and then you just have a ton of machines that are connected with a three wire install. And what that means is that all they're doing is measuring ignition time uh, and then engine runtime, right? And the problem is engine runtime, depending on your RPM and sort of like the load on the hydraulic system and all that stuff, you are burning totally different rates of fuel. Um, and so what we've done is, like I said, we, we have about 1.7 million connected assets. So we have the largest connected, uh, as a provider of connectivity, we're the largest, uh, connected fleet, you could say, and we've used our machine learned algorithm or machine learning applied to this fleet to develop a model so that we can model a three wire install with that really basic runtime information and get it within 10% accuracy when compared to a super rich uh brand new off the line like high-end uh complex diesel engine right and so that means there's like we have this no machine left behind philosophy and we can go into a pretty old rental fleet that's been connecting machines for seven years and give you very accurate co2 output measurement data for your three wire installs that you installed you know you put you put tracking devices in them seven years ago super basic as you could get it done quick and we're still able to give you accurate co2 measurements from those machines because we have this massive set of uh machines to to build a model from so how exactly is uh is that accomplished is this is this a module that goes into the uh that goes into the engine and the and the, and that is is somehow moderate uh, yeah so what, what we do is track unit i can uh, give this uh, sort of context is we do end-to-end -end connectivity we're actually a platform or software platform with solutions that you subscribe to just like a regular SaaS solution but we also actually develop uh our own hardware that goes into the machine so if you go and buy a genie machine or a skyjack machine or a manitou machine that comes pre-installed with a track unit hardware that runs their digital product program right wow. so that's what's collecting the data now there is a way that a lot of realm companies has gone gone about this is so there's more sophisticated mature oems in the digital space like those ones i just mentioned um and like the biggest examples would be like cat and deer everyone knows they have these crazy big telematics programs that are pretty cool and do a lot of neat stuff um and then i'll, I'll be a rental company and i'll have maybe 30 percent of my machines out of the factory already equipped with telematics data and now I've got to go equip the other 70%. And that means that I get my service techs or I go hire contractors to do infield installs, like in my rental yard. 
and they're actually wiring it right into the ignition circuit to measure runtime. Okay. And so when I say a three wire install, it's that sort of super basic connectivity that's the fastest and cheapest way to connect the device, but means that you're not getting as rich data. And so that's what this model does is it accommodates both those ways of connecting, like the partnered with the OEM's engineering team, perfect data coming off the machine, off like a sophisticated engine. And then there was, the, you know, I hooked this up, uh, my service tech did it when the machine was off rent in the rental yard. And perfect. I can still get accurate CO2 data uh, from either of those machines. Nice, nice. So let's talk about the relevance of all this. Um, what are you uh, seeing, hearing about how much of this sort of data, um, maybe not rental stores directly, but but certainly their customers are going to be expected to collect and provide? What 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 do you see as driving the need to uh, to, to to get these emissions reports? So. I think it all starts with the project owner, right? Like uh, you kind of said that uh, maybe before we got on here, we we're having a quick chat, but for publicly funded projects, projects in large metropolitan cities, a lot of these uh, regulations are not just because of public interest or interested parties that are funding the projects. You need to have an estimate of your uh, your sustainability impact on that project. And that's going to often include a CO2 footprint, like what's going to be the impact of your fleet. So now I have a large contractor, right? Like sort of like the Ellis Dons of the world that are bidding on a project and they're saying, this is the kind of emissions that we're going to uh, expect over a two-year build of this condo or something like that. Right. And we have contractors now uh, one, wanting to be able to provide that data rather than just a paper estimate, actual reporting on it to the project owner. So proof that they're able to manage and uh, basically make operational uh, actions to reduce that emissions as they go, right? So it's one thing to say, hey, here's the average emissions for this type of machine. We're going to have this many of these machines on the project we think for this long, right? And that adds up to this kind of uh, emissions output. That's a lot uh, sort of softer stance and saying, we're actually going to tell you what the emissions output is, and we're going to actively manage towards a lower emissions by optimizing our machine layout and by, you know, minimizing idle time and all these things. Um, so that's sort of the, the drive from the project owner that goes back through the value chain all the way to the rental, back to the OEM saying, well, now we need to be able to provide that data and the rental as a provider of maybe half the machines on that job site, uh, you know, needs to be able to do the same thing. So the other part of it is just, we see national contractors across North America, all of a sudden they have their own ESG goals. They have corporate initiatives. And we see uh, companies like Bechtel, like the largest contractors in the world, having concrete targets, just like they have revenue targets um, saying, we're gonna reduce our emissions, our CO2 footprint by this percentage over the next four years, uh, over the next five years. and. What's fascinating about that is they they just can't do it if they're not measuring it. How can you reduce your, you can't reduce your fleet size. You got to increase the number of jobs you're doing. <laughs> so it's yep. it's not going to be about, you know, putting just less machines out there. It's going to be about understanding how to uh, manage behaviors and get the best type of machines uh, that could do the same sort of work. And that's how you're going to reduce your uh, your carbon footprint. And that's what we're offering this for the first time. Like you can't manage something that you can't measure. If you can't read, if you don't have the actual data to input into your metric over and over, you have no idea if you're succeeding or not. And so all of a sudden we have large national contractors saying we only want machines that are able to give us this live emissions data because that's how we're going to 
um, assign emissions reduction targets to our regional uh, sort of portfolio owners and then uh, manage downwards from there, right? Yeah, and, so, and and in case and in case anybody thinks that it that that it is it, it is purely a matter of uh, of 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 companies just wanting to do the right thing, it 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 and therefore might be adopted or might not be, uh, it's not because uh, uh, Natural Resources Canada has been quite clear uh, that they're planning to have embodied carbon um, targets in their in the building codes uh, certainly by twenty. 30 and uh and and beyond um they're they're talking about at least having measurements by 2030 and then and then and then having restrictions on the amount of embodied carbon that a building is allowed to have in it uh going forward with the with the goal to approaching some kind of net zero thing although how they're going to do that on embodied carbon i have no idea uh but the that what that means for those who aren't sort of in that is 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 that they want to calculate all of the carbon dioxide that was emitted building this building okay and that includes all the materials that are in the building that includes all the all the all the power that was used to make the materials building the building that includes all the shipping of the materials building the building and it includes all the emissions from the construction of the building from the from the machinery that was actually making the building okay that's right so so what that what that's going to create is 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 a situation where there's actually a competitive advantage to to emitting less carbon dioxide and having less CO2 coming out of the engines. And and of course, everyone will probably be using electric as much as they can um, um, in in the building of the thing. And so where tracking that plays in, right, is like you're saying, if you manage to have less emissions, but with the machinery that you're using, you literally have a competitive advantage because that flows into every other aspect of the building. You could now have slightly higher carbon aluminum in the building because you saved the car, you saved CO2 emissions constructing the building. Now you'd have to save a hell of a lot of CO2 emissions to make up for the CO2 emitted smelting carb uh, aluminum. I can tell you that right now. But anyways, it, it you see what I'm saying? Like there's 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 I do, I do. there. And 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 right. I mean, I mean, that's that's the coming world of embodied carbon, and that's where this really plugs into it, right? And it's about like it's just about being the rental brand of choice, right? So yeah. again, the the impact depending on the project will be, and the amount of like dirt moving or the amount of whatever different type of machinery you have on the site will be more or less depending on the project type and length. And um, but it is, it seems very clear that it's going to be a license to do business. Right. Yeah. At some point, like if you can't deliver this information, then you're not going to be at least participating uh, at the highest level of uh, construction projects uh, yeah. that you want to get get your shot at. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like it's the perfect storm, though. So I think it started out and this is kind of the. Where we all we all thought about this as a European first. Right. Uh, trend. Right. And that has yeah. a lot to do with regulations. Yeah. But. Uh, what we've seen is actually a perfect storm of um, sentiment changing, yep. regulations being incoming, uh, and then at the same time, there's just like there's personal investment in it. So, you know, um, I think there just is this thing where people are interested in, uh, regardless of politics, in in reducing our impact on. Uh, on the air we breathe and on global warming and uh, on having a more sustainable practice. And anybody wants to be part of an industry that's sort of regarded as 
helping out in that way, right? And so I think we're seeing all three of those things. Shift I, I, I think you're right. I, I think I think there has to be an aspect of that because and 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 there's a simple reason why the level of enthusiasm is remarkable. Uh, uh, if you you know Con Expo happened in March, you walk around that show. And the, the 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 number one thing front and center on every booth is their is their battery, you know, lithium ion or 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 at least electric uh solution. Um, you know, Manita walks out there with an eight thousand pound freaking crane uh, that that's that's all <laughs> lithium. I, I'm like, how do they yeah. do that? Seven hundred volt lithium battery. And uh and and I'm and you know, yeah, the, the you saw before, I'm going to say, like even before this Con Expo and maybe the one before a little bit, of course, it was hard because COVID was in there. But 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 the ones before, you know, they'd they'd have their they'd have their electric solution. They'd have their battery solution. It's kind of in the back corner. And, you know, we, we've got this here because we need to say we've got one and, you know, all this. Stuff. Now it's front and center and it's and it's and it's out front. And sometimes it's the only thing they've got in the booth. It's like, yeah, we got all our gas stuff. You know about that. You know, go look on the internet. You know, it, it, it here's, but here's our, here's our electric stuff front and center, right? And, 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 and there's a, there's a genuine enthusiasm, uh, and, a, and a genuine, you know, interest in, 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 in going this direction, right? Yeah. And I think, uh, it's, it's interesting you're talking about Con Expo and we saw the same thing at Balma. And I know there's a little bit more Eurocentricity there, yeah. but I remember, uh, getting out of the airplane and, in Munich and you and you know it's a very fancy airport and there's all these like Audi uh or Audis I should say uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. posters all over the airport for their new electric line and I'm like oh this is this is pretty crazy and then I go down the escalator um on my way to the airport and then it's the same thing but with all the sponsorship from Bama with just like wall to wall uh lithium powered something right like yeah. uh, green machines were just like the entire theme of that uh, uh of that show as well and I think this is something where the OEMs, one, they have to get ahead of it. They yeah. they can't wait until it is happening because it takes them 24 months to engineer a machine, right? Yeah. So to, to get that product into the market. So I think uh, everyone's heading in the right direction at the right pace all of a sudden. So And pet, pet theory of mine for you to comment on. Um, I think as the, as, as the industry gets, um, inexorably younger um and uh and 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 people are now in you know uh uh people who are uh, let me say uh 40 uh you know millennials right are 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 now getting into higher executive levels uh at, at a lot of places you know we, we we've all heard for many years about about the desire of of people younger than me uh to 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 have impact you know to have impact to have that to to feel to be able to feel good about their work as well as as well as just going to work and making money right tell me what you think of that i think i think that has i think that has something to do with the enthusiasm for 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 being you know doing sustainable manufacturing i think you're right and that's always been the story of this generation right is that it wasn't going to be uh enough because of the ideals they were raised with to to just go to work and make money. And we saw that like come out like crazy during uh, COVID with the the great yeah. uh, resignation, right? Like yeah. people that weren't cool with their jobs or weren't happy with what they're doing, they just left. 
And they were happy to do that, right? Because uh, none of them were pursuing a lifelong career at one company anyway. They were trying to do something that they cared about and enjoyed. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think uh, there is really something to that, that uh, part of this has to do with living their ideals. And, you know, what comes up in job interviews now is what's your sustainability plan? Like, how does that factor into this workplace, right? So mm -hmm. if you're, even mm -hmm. if you're talking about Gen Z and like the younger generation than that, that's always going to be part of the conversation now. You don't get to not have that conversation. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, now that those people are moving into senior sort of executive roles, uh, their, their passion for that stuff and maybe it's, even like the the leading edge just above them, right? In the sort of Gen X uh, yeah. uh, generation as well is in the same spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, anybody in my daughter's generation, uh, any any young engineer coming out of school or whatever, they're, uh, you, you know, you tell them to make a cheap, dirty diesel. Uh, they're probably not going to be very happy with you. I can, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I can see that for sure. And well, whatever it, it, it it, it, it's not it's not it's not going to be feasible going forward uh that 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 that's for sure um what did you see in europe uh david um um are they doing things there that are ahead of of what our north american manufacturers are 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 doing as far as uh, uh i guess the electrics and the low emission um are they uh or or are the are the two sort of sides of the ocean kind of kind of equalizing out now um, I think that because of the size of manufacturers in Europe, they had a little bit more leeway to do some of this stuff earlier on. Like I remember Mechelac probably in 2018 at Intermat in Paris uh, for the first time did like a, a pure lithium powered uh, compact excavator. And that thing was a beast. It was super cool to see. And uh, no one was going to buy that machine in 2018, but they were of a size and in a probably socio-political environment that allowed them to make that and attract interest and have a place for it in metropolitan cities in France and things like that. And I know Merlot, the telehandler company, I believe they're Italian, they did like a pure lithium powered uh, telehandler, right? For mostly ag use. And that makes a lot of sense for ag use. Uh, yeah. And that was, you know, six or seven years ago as well. So I think we did see it coming from smaller, um, smaller OEMs that had the opportunity to sort of blaze that trail, right? Yeah. Um, whereas now when we're looking at what's coming out of the higher volume, higher revenue OEMs in the United States, um, I mean, there's obviously some very large OEMs in Europe as well. They were waiting for that tipping point, right? For the critical mass to make this a, a feasible product category. Right. And I think that's what we're seeing now, just like we've been talking about. This is becoming real really quickly. And so now we're seeing all of these larger manufacturers saying, you know, I don't just need a hybrid boom to say I've got one. I now need all of my, you know, my 60 foot, my uh, 130 foot, my 45 foot booms all need to be hybrid booms. I need that like option on that powertrain for all of them. Right. So and I think and I think we're going to see the cost walking back. Very soon. I mean, I mean, with this many manufacturers uh, 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 competing in the market and working on it, um, I, I, I think there's 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 going to be uh, there's going to be cost parity, uh, if not better, uh, uh, maybe maybe very soon. Yeah, like as the components and I was talking about the powertrain sort of uh, as the components um, and the gen sets and things like that start to become higher volume orders across yeah. multiple OEMs. All of a sudden, the cost in those comes down, and we've seen that already happen. Obviously, in the auto industry, all of a sudden, electric cars are very quickly becoming 
Uh, like, you know, see companies like uh, Tesla all of a sudden prices dropping on something that was a luxury just because it was electric a few years ago. So I think it's inevitable that we'll see uh, rental friendly prices eventually there. Yeah, I, I think we're already getting out of uh, also the, the, the situation where every... Every OEM is 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 making their own solution and 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 coming up with their own uh, their own parts, their own powertrain, their own bearings, or you know every everything for it. Um, because of course, what happened in automotive, you know, eventually was you had you know three or four big suppliers around the world who got really good at transmissions, who got really good at at uh, at hydraulics. Uh, well, not automotive, but you know what I mean. I uh, uh, got really good at, at at different aspects and 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 started to supply a lot of the a lot of the car companies and a lot of the equipment manufacturers. And and, and as that takes over uh, on the uh, on the electric uh, transmission side, that's that's going to be a that's going to be a a cost saver for sure, right? And I think yeah, you're right. And if you go back to the story I was talking about, Mechalak, uh, um showcasing that lithium-powered excavator, compact excavator in 2018, I can guarantee that that was a custom-built battery pack. Right. Too heavy. Right. So I think uh, whereas now we're seeing people probably putting in um, standard mass-produced battery packs for this application uh and as well like uh the the entire powertrain to match right is coming off a a production that's meant for um sort of plug and play exactly now you had a point in your and and we may have touched on it but you you had a point in your white paper about the intersection between sustainability and 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 labor supply challenges and and rather than me try to recap that and probably massacre it uh, 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 tell us, uh, tell us again where you where you were going with that because to me it it, it wasn't entirely intuitive how those two things uh, uh, come come together. I think one thing I was trying to get at it's something that our CEO Soren Brogard highlighted a couple of years ago at our next event was um, some important stats on like hireability, right, or the attractiveness of any business, and I think that we have sort of like a a sexiness problem already in the in the construction industry right mm -hmm. so if i'm a kid uh growing up right now i start with like somewhere way out here like i want to be a, an influencer whatever that means right? <laughs> yeah. and then i want to be like in star. the yeah. exact you know and then <laughs> and then as i go down this sort of like attractiveness scale like i i get into some <laughs> other industries and i think in construction right now um rightly or wrongly, and maybe probably it's well-earned in construction, construction rental, um, we have a pretty uh, antiquated image of the kind of like person that works in construction. Right. And that's probably not someone, if you asked a random kid in high school right now, thinking about what they're going to do when they graduate, that's probably not someone that cares a lot about sustainability. Right. Yeah. So if we know just like we were just talking about that every single applicant uh, coming from Gen Z is going to ask the question about sustainability initiatives, or if, if 80% of them, if that's going to be on their mind when they go interview, uh, we have to be actioning that as an industry and we have to start being identified as an industry that uh, fundamentally cares about sustainability. If we have any hope of battling our our pretty dire situation right now in mm -hmm. terms of not having enough service technicians about not having an, enough uh, personnel coming into the, uh, the industry to offset the retirement happening. Right. Yeah. You because can't the look age of our workforce. Yeah. You, you can't look like a greasy back shop 
and 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 it's it's it it does it it does have an effect because because when the when the kids are looking at their their their, their future career paths, yeah, the, the question is absolutely in their minds: Am I am I am I working with this you know this this kind of smoke blowing, uh, uh, dirty machinery over here, or am I or am I doing something uh, uh, cool and sexy with software and IoT and 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 telematics and and and, and, and battery powered and you know oh geez it's you know it's like Tesla. You know, I, I mean, that's 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 going to be that's it, and it has an effect. I mean, I mean, the, the, there is absolutely, and when it comes to attracting labor and attracting kids, uh, there, there there there's some of that in there, uh, even and aside I, from the even aside from the sustainability stuff. And I think about this a, a lot too, in the way that uh, these companies market themselves. So if you look like an Ellis Don or a Bechtel, right? Yeah. Um, these like massive uh, construction corporations present themselves as very sophisticated companies, right? And that are, that are focused on technology and focus on speed and agility and sustainability is at the core of what they're doing right now. And I think uh, that's true for construction rental. And I think it's, it's obviously true in the OEM space as well. And even when I think about like a service tech and the technology they use now to service a machine, right. It used to be like a voltmeter and a, um you know a wrench wrench, like yeah exactly (laughs) and and now they get to get out there and and open up an app and remotely investigate the machine and see what's going on and that's a a different part of the same story that i'm kind of telling is that uh if if our industry is not fundamentally identified as an industry that cares about sustainability and kind of maybe the antithesis of sustainability you know you imagine these big old excavators if you don't know anything about that driving down the highway and you look at a construction site that looks like about the least sustainable thing going on um and i think that uh the work that can be done in the uh psychology of like the young generation mm-hmm. to recognize us as someone that's like just committed to sustainability fundamentally is necessary for us not to keep slipping in the wrong direction in terms of being able to hire enough people and to keep this going that's what i think i was uh, after it's a cultural shift for sure. Um, and uh, what do you think it's going to translate to, David, in terms of the re- the real world? Uh, what what are our fleets going to look like? Do you think uh, thirty years from now? Um, although uh, I, I suppose the easy answer is all electric, right? I don't. I don't think all electric is necessarily like. You know, I'm not that. Uh, I'm not that smart. Mm-hmm. to say that it's going to be all electric in 30 years because it seems like there's a few different parallel paths for us to get to much lower CO2 numbers. And I think part of it, though, is actually managing behaviors and efficiencies and job phases and things like that. When we look at the outlay of machines at different phases of a job site, right now, how many uh, machines are doubled up if we want to talk about embodied carbon impact and things like that, right? Like, oh. can we more efficiently... Um, distribute machines as rental companies, right? Can we actually recommend machine categories based on best fit to limit unnecessary emissions, right? Like on oversized machines, oversized engines, um, things like that. So things I think there's- Things uh, not getting shipped back and forth so much. Uh, exactly. Your planning so, and scheduling and usage. So if you think about that, that's an interesting thought. Like I've told this story about a thousand times, I feel like, but there's this, one of the biggest impacts of telematics was on scissor lifts. And that's because the scissor lift is rented by 
it's such a generalist machine, right? A painter rents it, an electrician rents it. Uh, everybody gets on a scissor lift sometimes. And then some professions, some trades get on a scissor lift maybe only once every couple months. And this drives service calls because people don't know how to drive a scissor lift. They don't know how to charge the batteries on a scissor lift. And what ends up happening is um, you get a call from an operator that's not that familiar. You end up driving across Toronto or something. And, you know, you just sent a, a pickup truck across Toronto and back to sit in traffic. And if you do that 300 times a year for yeah. unnecessary service calls, because, you know, you just needed to explain to a 25 year old that they're lead acid batteries and they take eight hours to charge, not uh, an hour to charge yeah. or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. My phone charger isn't getting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I'm not being very kind to the young generation there. Cause I'm sure that's not that yeah. thing, but you get the point, right? So like, there's a, uh, I think there's like, an opportunity in overall efficiency. And that's been the story about digitization. That's like, you always hear that McKinsey study um, reference with this massive opportunity that we have as an industry. So much of that incidentally produces lower emissions because efficiency just means lower emissions. Emission yep. Efficiency means more sustainable practices because it's literally about eliminating waste. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, wasted yep. fuel, wasted machines. And right now we're not really in a position to like as an industry with our, with our label problems that like efficiency gets in on solving that problem as well. Right. The right. better we can do with the people that we have and the machines that are available, uh, the better we'll do as an industry. So in productivity, like just pure output. There's a lot of reasons for it. Um, people, uh, uh, there, there's been a there's 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 been a change. There's been a shift. Uh, I I I'm glad we got to uh, uh, dig into that, David. Just because I, I I find the topic interesting, and 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 it was it's always been uh, it was as I think we were saying before. It it, it was amazing to me how fast there was a shift. Uh, you know, it, it just it just seemed like some sort of a switch uh, flip there a, a couple of years ago. And uh, and 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 all of a sudden, uh, the idea of of of, of building a more uh, uh, well, just just lower emissions equipment caught on like wildfire everywhere. And yeah. uh, and and it's so. Uh, there's maybe one more uh, story I wanted to share, like because this yeah. is fascinating for anyone that's ever done software product development. Right, you spend so much of your time getting the wrong idea in front of a customer and steering it a little bit in the right direction. And you do that like a hundred times, right? That's what you do with software when you're trying to find like a good market fit. That's what you do with machinery too, right? You go to talk to every rental company, you figure out what's wrong with the current generation of scissor lift. It's very small and you tweak it towards this ideal product, right? right. And with software, that's a big thing. And I think what's fascinating is just the ability to report live emissions. I've spoken to probably a hundred OEMs and rental companies at this point and contractors you put this product in front of them to get feedback, right? As we were developing it over the last year and a half. And every single time, like a hundred percent of the time, they were just, how do we get this? Right? So it was on everyone's roadmap. It was on part of everyone's deliverable. And because they were so desperate for that live data, or they immediately saw that they had to have this. I mean, it was almost unhelpful because I needed to know like the little tweaks to do to make it better, but they were yeah. just so captivated by the basic uh, capability to have live and accurate emissions reporting on their whole fleet that they all just said like, yes, please. Like, huh. so, um, I think that speaks to like where we're at because that That's is not the world the order. 
that's not how learning. like a product develop normally goes. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a that's that's that. Well, that that illustrates it perfectly right there. It's a it's 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 a it's a new world order. David Swan, Vice President of Products at Track Unit. Thank you very much for joining me today on Counter Talks and talking about uh, all things uh, sustainable construction. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Patrick. Thanks for joining us for Counter Talks. You can find Counter Talks episodes online at CanadianRentalService.com or on the major podcasting services. Counter Talks is a presentation of Canadian Rental Service Magazine.